This week on the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, John and Dina Ketchum from New Collar Goods return to answer the five questions, and we find out how they turned a DIY desk for their new home into a business that ships beautiful modern pieces all across the country. So welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Great, great. And if you want to hear more from Dina and John, go back to our episode 345, where we have an in-depth interview of all the things that they're up to, which is a lot. But... (laughs) (laughs) but let's get into the five questions so um how did y'all get into woodworking uh so we originally got into woodworking just because uh we really wanted to build furniture for ourselves honestly that we couldn't afford at the time and didn't have in our house so Mm -hmm. um yeah just started seeing stuff that we liked kind of i think in the mid-century vein and then uh tried using Adobe Illustrator, which I was using for graphic design to kind of deconstruct pieces of furniture and figure out if I could make them kind of thing. So, yeah. Very cool. So you were doing CAD work on Illustrator? I was, yeah, initially. And then uh, Dean and I would kind of go back and forth and, you know, look at designs and say, hey, do we like this and this proportion? And yeah, just make a few things. Initially, it was uh, we moved here with zero tools, and I bought like a crappy circular saw and made what was the first thing that we made for table. our apartment? Oh, oh, a the desk. The desk. <laughs> a piece of garbage desk. <laughs> it wobbled. Terrible. It was like Home Depot crappy lumber. Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. Painted it. Had no idea. Mm-hmm. We, lo- we were looking for like the straightest boards. Yeah, that was bad. And, and we thought that that we thought the boards just came straight at the time. Fool! <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that was like a jointer. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Um, and then a dining table with the tennis. Yeah, table. and then we made a dining table. I bought one chisel and spent like a Sunday <laughs> on um, the floor. More than that. <laughs> yeah. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And with Illustrator 2, kind of mapped out the tenons and the mortises, and yeah, it was okay. It was pretty pukey brown-colored stain. I think we sold it for a profit, though. Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> <laughs> you kept notes on your, uh, on your yeah, expenses? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, How many dollars did you make an hour on that one? <laughs> oh, I have no idea. But it was, like, bad pine, and it was a brown minwax stain with like maybe a high gloss Proper, like probably, poly probably. the real real shiny we were proud of it at the time yeah, yeah. it um, happens it's an evolution right but again yeah well well somebody liked it they bought it right they totally sure right they sure well it's good that you were proud of it if you hadn't been you wouldn't have keep you wouldn't have kept going you know oh it's totally Absolutely. true yeah you, i want yeah. to keep learning yeah. yeah and now did y'all have another table before you sold that one we did Okay. Uh, oh no, we built one straight after that. We said that we wanted to buy like a hard, like hardwood from our local hardwood supplier. Yeah, we had a um, cherry cherry table, and there was an old woodworker in town that was really awesome, and he helped me like use his amazing shop and jointer, and I jointed those boards mm-hmm. and then planed them, mm-hmm. and we still have the same wood for our current dining yeah. table. We just kind of. We uh, repurposed the whole thing because that initial blew up of that table was total trash. <laughs> and so we cut Still it all. Still learning up. what a jointer planer was. At exactly. The time. Yeah. So then we cut that back up, which you can do, by the way. Mm-hmm. You can, yes. Benefits you of hardwood. You can remake a table several times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
we cut it back down at the seams, jointed and planed everything properly, and then glued it up again. So it's pretty thin, but it's a really cool table, and it's yeah. the same table. Yeah, so. just cut, set a couple hot mugs down on it, so maybe a little refinish is in order, yeah, but it's okay. all right. It's all right. But it's still beautiful, that cherry luster. I, I love, we both love cherry. People mm-hmm. in the modern space don't tend to, but I think it's so great. Uh, mm. Quarter sawn cherry is probably some of the most mm. beautiful wood I've ever seen. Amazing. Mm-hmm. This yeah. stuff darkens, and walnut does not. <laughs> <laughs> walnut goes the other way. Yeah, exactly. Just keep telling people. Mm-hmm. So we've heard about your your first skill saw. I mean, is that still your favorite tool? Well, that thing is long gone. <laughs> yeah. Actually, well, we're in need. We're in the market for a skill saw. So yeah, for a, turn- a couple, we need lots of them. Um, no favorite tool currently. I think for both of us is the CNC, just because we're still. It just feels untapped by kind of the possibilities of shapes and sculptures and also by uh, material. There's so many materials we want to kind of try and work with. Um, Which, you know, if you don't have a full-on CNC, totally. get yourself a shaper. Yeah, we, had, we actually yeah. started with the Shaper yeah. Origin, which I have to say is an unbelievably great tool. That was fun. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that was kind of the precursor into um, CNC. And they just make such a great tool, especially coming from like from an interface perspective, even in a usability, say like, you know, how your iPhone or any new smartphone is pretty intuitive and most people know how to mm-hmm. navigate. They did such a great job with that tool. I mean, it's so simple to understand. Um, it is phenomenally accurate and you can you can make it. I mean, it's as accurate as our tool for sure. It's a way more time-consuming um, if you're thinking about production, uh, but if you're a, a hobbyist or just in your garage and you want to make some cool things even with your kids, or if you are a professional and you want to make fantastic, you know, fixtures and jigs, or a lot of the times what we would use it for is for joinery, but I would build quarter-inch uh, MDF templates to then use with guide bushings and routers, um, but they're so precise. You didn't get as much blowout with these as we did with like a temper, template routing and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. It's totally fine. Um, I just, when I saw that, I thought, man, that's, that is the, that is a template making machine, right? There. That's yeah. what it is. That's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We had the same thought. It's definitely not, if you want to sit there and cut out uh, something from a table, I wouldn't, it would just take you forever uh, to actually do it well. Um, but it's a phenomenal, phenomenal template making machine um, and a great, a great home use machine too. And a small shop, like it's super easy yeah. to store. It's, you know, it yeah. doesn't take up much space at all. It's yeah. Great, and it's yeah. so cool too. Like people like Philip Morley is, does so much cool work with his. And so does uh, Caleb James. They both are just phenomenal with their shapers and think of really interesting fixtures and um, I think it's cool. I think you can build more accurate, interesting, you know, jigs for your work too. So yeah, I highly recommend it. If any, if you're thinking about it. Very cool. Yeah. I've always found those things interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it is like a gateway into CNC, I feel like. Yeah. Cause it teaches yeah. you the vocabulary and it teaches you, even though you're, you're moving the tool by hand, you can hear how the bits reacting and it's the same principle you know, with like chip load and everything on an actual CNC stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And we talk, yeah. So we talked earlier about, you know, going through the process of making a thing, instructing you kind of 
on how it works, that kind of thing. Like the shaper is yeah. going to tell you, yeah, you'll know when you're pushing too hard on a bit oh, and for what sure. it sounds and feels like. Yes. You may yeah. not feel it when a CNC is running, but you're sure yes. it's all going to hear it. Yes. You know? Oh, totally. It's a good yeah. education. It was a phenomenal education. And I, yeah, I chatted with those guys that developed the tools. Like, I actually, I did sell mine to another local woodworker because I was hoping to keep both because I just loved it. And I, was, I wanted to be an advocate for the tool. Um, but honestly, we weren't using it. Too much redundancy at that point. Yeah. 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 So um, I sold it locally, but I did talk to those guys and they're just, it's a phenomenal team. And I mean, they, I just, it's such a cool product. They really nailed it. So very yeah. cool. Very yeah. cool. So who has influenced you guys the most? Um, I'll let Dina go first on this. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, um, you know, we're so hung up on like the business side of things, like creatively, like we have fun, like between the two of us kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. But I think really where we find the most comfort and influence is with like the business kind of acumen side of things. Like that's where you kind of get in your head and you get, it gets a little bit difficult. Um, and, you know, we have, a, we're lucky to have like a nice community of friends that are also um, like business owners, like owners and operators or previous, you know, business owners and operators. And to be able to kind of, I don't know, sometimes it feels super isolating in that space. Um, and you feel like you're the first one having, you know, this, this uh, challenge. Um, and it's, it's nice to be able to kind of like defer to your friends and be like, Hey, you know, this is what we're going through. And just to have a little bit of kind of a grounding force and someone to bounce um, your ideas off of and, and sort of kind of navigate uh, the tough, nature that is like you know entrepreneurship and all yeah. that so um i i've found personally a lot of support uh with our entrepreneur friend group um it also kind of helps us to reach a little bit more and to kind of push ourselves a bit because i feel like when you put yourself up against you know another entrepreneur we're always reaching and stretching in different directions and it's kind of nice to sort of get inspiration and and push a little bit more um yeah collectively yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think i think most people that try to do this professionally don't realize the business side is just as important sometimes more important than the actual production side and takes about the same amount of time if not more yeah. Oh, sure. And when, yeah. when I was going through art school, you know, I was kind of just waiting for that moment where I'm like, okay, when are we going to talk about the business management side of things? And it just didn't come. And and that's the part that I, I think know. that is so important um, to set yourself up for success and to be able to focus on the thing that you're really good at, which is that creative side of things. And, um, and I, I, I think, you know, it's, it, it can be a huge challenge and, um, a point of, of friction, you yeah. know, but, um, you, you need both to be able to be successful. And, um, yeah. And I feel like there can be so many moments that are just like genuinely humbling for everybody. Like you, especially early on, less so recently, fortunately, but like just mispricing something and just getting absolutely 
<laughs> lost on the deal, you lose you lose all your money. Yeah, and mm-hmm. kind of expecting that there's a bit of buffer. Like you order your 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 hardwood, and it's not all going to be perfect. There's definitely going to be waste, and um, you just need to be able to kind of figure out where those little bit yeah. of tolerances are, and and how to make up for that in a business sense. Yeah. It can be it can be a hard lesson to learn, but I feel yeah. like you know if you know, we're a few years in and kind of getting a little bit better at it as we go, and I think we just need to kind of like and try not to be. Yeah. Yeah, so emotional about like pricing things as well where fortunately we've developed like a calculator of sorts for pricing our work and it's literally you know input these things and this is the output and it, it does create a bit of separation um whereas before you would be more emotionally involved to say like i want to give these people a deal or i want to do something when and retroactively it would only hurt us um so i think kind of approaching it from more of a business sense rather than like a personal. Which is so tough yeah, when you you're need, small. You need to separate making, your yeah. personal. I think that's like, that's like the hugest, like the biggest, like rather like um, sort of perspective shift that you can gain when you can say, okay, nope, it's, it's not personal. It's not emotional. It's just business. And here we are, we have the shift and we have this yeah. like, we have this formula and we just kind of follow it and it is what it is. And yeah. you just kind of have, have to get to that point to be able to be successful, yeah. I think a little bit more, but there's a really cool, there's a graphic design book that I read and it's kind of a, it's a smaller book, but it was written by this web designer and he's pretty flagrant with his vocabulary and he's just, he's a really funny person, but he's amazingly knowledgeable as well. And his whole thing now is Mike Montero. Um, But his whole thing was, he had this whole segment about payments and about detaching yourself from it. And he's like, you know, even with friends and family, people would try to maybe nickel and dime him and say, that's going to take you 40 minutes. And his retort was always, no, that took me 40 years. And 40 <laughs> minutes. Um, I like that. I, that perspective I think is really key and you, you have to respect your work. You have to respect your work and the yeah. time you have into it, like thousands of hours of time, even repairing a tool or being in your shop yeah, and the maintaining investment in the machinery. it. And, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's been a huge, I don't know how, yeah, we jumped a little bit. How do we get here? Bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> passion. Passion took us <laughs> So long story short, yeah, I think it's, and I wish that earlier on, um, I don't know, It's there's no clear line. If you talk to anybody that's doing this as a business, every day is a new day and there are hurdles and we're all just trying to hopefully grow our businesses and maybe hire people and have a better you know culture around building or design so yeah Hmm. yeah so that kind of flows into the next question which is you know what's been the biggest stumbling block sure i think honestly um early on we were primarily doing just like so much custom work through a retail location in denver which was a phenomenal way to start our business it pushed us um, so much and yeah to do things that were out of our league well some days it'd be like hey make this like moroccan inspired chest and the next yeah. day it would be like make this farm table with three extensions it was just like it was all over the place and i think like at this point that's the really fun part is that we can actually sort of focus on designs that we you know want to incorporate into our own collection um but i i think will also play well and will work well and yeah. function and yeah but well, to this day i think like when when designers and architects like they learn that we have customizable capabilities capacity, yeah. like they say okay well i want 
the essence of this design that you've done before, but I want, you know, X, Y, Z changed. And, and that, that is always really difficult because we feel like we're always back to sort of baseline, even if it's inspired by original designs. Um, and so just trying to figure out how to redirect that and, and gain yeah. control of that conversation a little bit more and, and, and have confidence in, in the work that we have done and be able to sort of expand on that and, and say, hey, no, this is this is great and this will suit you because of X, Y, Z. Not everything has to be entirely original for the first time. So I think that's that can be really challenging um, from a livelihood perspective. Sure. Yeah, that's been our biggest stumbling block for sure and something that we're like continually, like pie in the sky dream for this company is to be a company that you can go to and you can order something that's from our line and you see the person who has made this thing and with customizable still, sizes exactly yeah yeah so so you're saying it's it's keeping kind of coaching the customer to to sure. take something that you've already done and make it personalized yeah. for them and find a way to like, totally. walk that line between personalized and custom yeah that's kind ideal of, kind of like perceived custom so they can say semi-custom or exactly. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Okay. that's the dream um, i don't know because I think that's how, honestly, just given the cost, it's just a funny thing. Like when you are the one that's designing and building the thing and having the tools that make the thing, your costs are extremely high. So in order to make it approachable for the consumer to purchase, but then also to be able to hire people and create a business, hopefully, that people want to work for, um, I, I just think that you have to make concessions and not do full custom all the time. Yeah. yeah, as John mentioned before, like, you know, we're creating this jig for this specific leg, for this specific table. And it's like, if we're doing that every time, you know, how much extra time and resource and energy sure. are we putting into each one of these pieces? And I think, you know, it doesn't take away sort of the special nature of each piece that we're making by kind of creating some repeatability in it all. But um, hopefully we can kind of, I don't know, just sort of, build on what we've already done and and let that be good enough yeah I so i guess yeah, yeah a little bit of like pairing back and honing ex what we're doing already and um just having confidence in that yep yeah yeah, yeah. So as i say it seems like it just comes back to being confident in your yes. original designs and saying this is what we do yeah, yeah exactly yeah. No, that's that's, it's that struggle too when you you know you, you you're running a business so you yeah. want to be sort of amenable and like and dean is also married to a squirrel brain so. oh yeah he chases the shiny <laughs> yeah. object all time. <laughs> so, I'm like, what do you think about this? She's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like, like a no. conversation that happens in my home a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I go down way too many rabbit holes. <laughs> so oh. it, along those lines, I mean, kind of, who has influenced you the most in your work? Um, so yeah, Dina, I think for Dina, it's definitely her friends and her I don't know in the field of woodworking if I can point to one person. Yeah, what do you guys think? Like, do you think more specifically woodworking or business? Or I feel like there's a lot of. I mean, you guys are really diverse, but it means really kind of. I mean, how you work. I mean, and you've got multiple facets for sure. Sure. Oh, I'd say how I work. Like a company that I respect a ton, um, and I just think they're very smart and oddly, I feel aligned uh, to the kind of work they're doing uh, with the machinery that they have. It's, but they're called Mast Furniture, and they're in Australia. And they just make phenomenal simple designs, but they're so tech forward, I think. Um, and I just, I really love their work. So I think that's somebody 
kind of more focused. Yeah, and then there's, I think, there's not so much them. There's another company, too, actually, in Australia. Australia has some amazing makers. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys mentioned cool. it earlier, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, there's another guy. His Instagram handle is like butter Melbourne, I think. And um, he's a CNC shop, and that guy is just incredible. Such a gifted mind. And he also has such an environmental focus. So not only all of his products are so environmentally friendly and smart in terms of shipping, his whole shop is all solar powered. Um, but he's been his, a great resource to be able to pick his brain a little yeah, bit. Yeah, every um, once in a while I'll message him. The unfortunate thing is the source, um, the supply chain is a little different, you know, here. Yeah, because yeah, some of the yeah. products that they have there, even for packaging and stuff, are tough to find here. Like they have biodegradable shrink wrap, which that's such a terrible, oh, yeah. friendly. Gosh, I hate using that stuff. It's terrible. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. absolutely terrible. Uh-huh. Um, but it's, again, it's a Australian-based company. We'd love to try and source it and figure it out. Um but it's nice to have that sort of inspiration of like, hey, yeah, yeah. let's seek that out. So I know? think, yeah, maybe less influence, but more like community. And it's just vast. I mean, there are people in the UK I talk to, people in Australia, uh, people just on the West Coast. Um, so, yeah, I think from a general perspective, it is kind of both business and maybe some technique sometimes. But I do feel like there's a lot of variation. And it's nice to have access to people through social yeah. media and stuff. Yeah. 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 So what was that guy's name again? You said that one, his handle is like, I think it's like butter and it's, I mean, they pronounce like it butter Mel- Melbourne, Melbourne. Exactly. Okay. And watch some of his CNC stuff that he does. It's I incredible. thought that's what you said, but I just want to yeah. make sure. <laughs> but watch, uh, no. So he does, he makes, he just makes phenomenal products to you. And like, I'm, so I feel like personally, I'm also a systems person and I, Half of the products that we like to make are beautiful. Half of them I'm driven by how smart they are as a product, how efficient they are to be made, how much they can be customized and shipped um, and like low impact, I guess. And he makes this shelving unit where they're all, it's male and female threaded uh, dowels. And he does the threading on his CNC vertically. And he's created this almost, it's kind of like an iris, um, contraption essentially that loads stock vertically and then the cnc will cut threads into the end of the piece go over load another piece it's amazing so he can set this Mm. thing cut like 60 parts at a time but he's just he is just a genius with a cnc and he's so fun to watch so i mean there's there's just so many interesting people he's i think from a like call it small production manufacturing but an incredibly intelligent person he's a really cool person to watch yeah Oh, Very fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, um, let's uh, let's close this down. But uh, where can before we do that? But where can folks find you on the interwebs? Sure. So you can find us on our website, which is newcollargoods.com, or on Instagram at newcollargoods. All right, Mark. What about yourself? I am at plate11.com, or I am at markbuildsit on Instagram, and you can catch some videos on my YouTube channel, Plate11Woodworking. Kyle, how about you? Uh, You can always find me at bart.kyle on Instagram. Sean, what about yourself? And I'm SeanW78, most everywhere you can look for people these days. And that just about wraps it up for this show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. And while you're there, please leave us a review. 
You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast, go over to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. But the best thing you can do is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion.